coming soon from Arkville Press. This is the story of the last city. It has outlived the world that it was born into, and it has outlived all its siblings. This is the story of the last city, a ruin built on ruins where death is a luxury few can afford. This is the story of the last city, of those who wander within and those who are crushed by its weight. This is the story of the last city, and this is how it died. The Tower Through the Trees by Sean Dillon, coming March 29th. Welcome back to Free Reeling It, a movie podcast where two friends watch a movie and talk about it. I am one of said friends. My name is Matthew. Alongside me is other said friend, Jesse. How are you, Jesse? I am doing all right. It's a Friday night. We're recording this a day later than normal just because I had some previous plans. But it's a Friday night, and I am just glad the week is over. Cue that Yakuza Zero song, Friday night. Uh, Yeah, the one that goes, uh, uh, it's Friday <laughs> no, I, I, don't know. I, don't know. I, I think that's Rebecca Black, but uh, <laughs> I, I now I only think about the I think you should leave Friday song because I see it every uh, every Friday because I follow a, a, a bot account for I think you should leave. Oh, or we could just do, ladies and gentlemen, the, the weekend. weekend. <laughs> yeah, 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 classic. I uh, can't go wrong with the classic. Ever, ever, of, evergreen Daniel Craig. Speaking of evergreen. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, can't go wrong with the classic and evergreen things. Matthew, what do we watch this week? We are watching the entry of the often called King of the Monsters onto the cinematic scene. We are watching Godzilla from 1954. Uh, I believe in Japan it was it was actually called Gojira. And it is directed by Ishiro Honda. Uh, and it actually stars, I'm going to say it, a free reeling it favorite, uh, Takashi Shimura. <laughs> so, um, but yes, this is, this is the first Godzilla movie. And what, and I had never seen this before. I'm assuming you had not either. I have seen it once before. Uh, okay. Just because I have a friend that's a really huge Godzilla head. Oh, that's uh, cool. Or should I? What do, we, what, what do you call hardcore Godzilla fans? Zillophiles? Uh, like, is that the right word? Zillophiles kind of sounds gross. Not uh, fair. And I'm kind of into it, but I feel like I feel like that would Zillophile might be bad <laughs> somehow. Uh, we'll just we'll. Just, I mean, you know, let's just call them monster fuckers. How about that? No, uh, let's not do that. Um, Unless they per- unless they prefer to be identified that way, uh, I don't think so. I mean, kaiju files is probably the best. Yeah, it's one. probably closer. Um, but uh, yeah, the, I, I bought them for. Uh, I was thinking it was, it was a Christmas or a birthday present, but it was on sale. That's the only reason I was able to afford it. But the Godzilla Criterion box set, the mm-hmm. the big big one. Yeah, um, and I made a promise with them. I was like, I'll watch all these with you. Uh, it's just gonna take some time, and now they have a kid, so it's gonna take even more time. But um, yeah, we watched the first one not too long ago. And I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And then you said, let's watch it again. I'm like, oh, I should probably watch it again. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I had, I realized later that I had seen the American version, and I haven't I seen rem- that version at all. I don't remember it very well, and uh, based on the viewing of this i don't want to go back i'm kind of curious though for a historical sense of like how we put ourselves into that movie to make it our movie i'm curious about that i watched the guillermo del toro uh like like minute or two clip on criterion.com of uh, him on this, and I think he, he's he mentioned that like Raymond Burr's in it. Uh, what a okay. time! What a time! <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what, whatever, U.S. cinema. Um, but yeah, so 1954. This uh, this film is very interestingly placed because when you think about 1954 in 
cinema as a whole, you don't necessarily think about Godzilla. However, it, I do believe this particular film uh, basically lost the, I'll say the, the Japanese equivalent of an Oscar to Seven Samurai. Oh, wow. Okay. Let that sink I, in. I can <laughs> see that because I think, I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm not like as uh, up on my Japanese film history as I probably, I, I probably want to be, <laughs> but right. Um, I don't know if Godzilla was seen as like a masterpiece then was it like because to me to me i could see it as a masterpiece now but i also i'm watching it i'm like this i bet you this was considered schlock back then well i mean think about think about it in terms of historical context we're nine years removed from the atomic bomb being dropped yeah yeah i mean I, so, I, yeah the the whole the whole metaphor of for uh just uh the atom bomb and the devastation that they went through that yeah. right and and you know and they're they're referencing it in the film, they're referencing recent nuclear testing in the film, um, and uh, after watching this this movie, I'm gonna plug something that has they have no clue why I'm plugging them, but since I've watched this film, I can actually start listening to a a Godzilla rewatch podcast called Castle Bravo. There's always a rewatch podcast. If you ever want to rewatch something, there's a podcast for you. It's it's hosted by uh, Derek Van Dyke of official SDGC. And uh, they are a wonderful presence. They're one of my favorite Twitter follows and SD, SDGC is a podcast. I like to listen to uh, with some regularity and uh, Derek and his sister, I believe are the co-hosts. Um, and it, the, listening to the first episode today, it's, it's a wonderful show that go into a lot of background and, uh, do they do some headcanon stuff and that's totally fine uh and i found myself thinking along those same same lines but uh but this is uh this this film i'm gonna come i'm gonna come out swinging it fucking rules i had not like i came into this expecting something a little bit better than uh a schlocky monster movie I did not know how much better. Oh yeah, this this movie, film is than that. Just like the titular Godzilla in the movie, this movie devastates. Yeah, like for sure. And and like and I I also saw both its influences and its legacy kind of in this film. Um because I I mean I I found myself thinking about a lot of about a lot of the you know, uh, Harry Housen stop motion animation, yeah, as well as well as uh, the classic King Kong silent film from 1933, or it was uh, it's been too long. Um, but I, I found myself thinking about that, and I found myself thinking about what this does, if not better, definitely differently. And I, in terms of what has come after, like as a, as a Gundam fan, I'm definitely thinking about. Like there's probably a lot of tones in the modern mecha anime that that come from the duopoly or the I'll say duopoly at play here, where it's you know giant monster plus also political messaging. Um, <clears throat> plus, I think I could see Spielberg looking at this and going, "Huh, maybe I shouldn't show the shark and or whatever." Rather, yeah. you know, I know like the history there is the shark was broken for most of that production or of Jaws. But I also think that seeing if if Spielberg had seen this, he, he probably said, hmm, maybe there's maybe there's some keys to not showing the monster all the way. And I think that they shoot around the quote unquote flaws of the monster really well. Here. Yeah, I agree. Um, not to mention, uh, it never, it never looks, it never looks, um, like a B-level production. 
to me. What are what were, how did you come out of this? How did you come out of this watch? Um, so yeah, so the first time I came out of it as like I like this was good, and then the second the second time though, because I, I was by myself, so I was a little more focused. And um, I I think as much how cool that this movie is shot. Um, and there's a lot of really cool shots in this movie. There's a lot of cool ways they, that they shoot around uh, the monster. Um, a lot of ways that they blow up places like a real yeah. wall. Um, the, the the humans though, like that's that's one of the biggest gripes about like these later, like the later kaiju movies, right? Mm-hmm. And especially the American ones, but we don't have to talk about that. Um, sure. Is that the human story is pointless and it's boring, and all we want is just uh, the monsters. I want to see the monsters. Show me the monsters, right? Right. And I think like like Shin Godzilla, which is, I think, a lot of people's now modern equivalent to this. Right. Like they're like, oh, yeah, this is the best Godzilla movie since the original. (laughs) Like that's how a lot of people treat Shin Godzilla. Isn't that the one directed by Hideki Yano? Yes. The Evangelion guy. Yeah. um, I think because I've seen that one, too, that those are the two Japanese Godzilla movies I've seen. I feel like there's a sense of like the human story really matters in both of those. Mm-hmm. And you have really fantastic actors portraying like severe panic and trauma and fear and hopefulness, but hopelessness. And how do, what do we do? What do we do? Like, that's like, that's like the main feeling you get throughout the movie. And I think that's why this movie kind of hits harder. The second time is like, it just, you, you feel it. You feel the, you feel the, you feel the humans. Yeah. Agreed. So. Also, um, I, one thing I, I did, so I was trying to do a bit of ancillary reading uh, for this episode and there's an essay on Criterion by Steve Rifle called Godzilla's Conscience, the Monstrous Humanism of Ishiro Honda. The opening paragraph is actually the opening two paragraphs are just I think they kind of lay out why this film lands the way it does. And I'm going to read the first one. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we should probably include it in the, in the show notes. Yeah. I will. Uh, Director Ishiro Honda gathered his crew and gave them an ultimatum. He was about to put his career at risk and he would only work with those who approached his current project, a movie about a radiation spewing prehistoric reptile that destroys Tokyo with the utmost seriousness as he himself did. Quote, he told them, read the script. If you're not convinced, please let me know and immediately leave the project. That's from Kimi Honda, the director's wife, recalled years later. She recalled that years later. He only wanted those who had the absolute confidence to work with him on this film. And I sort of I I sort of look at it and then I, I look at the casting of, of Takashi Shimura. And I, I, the other actors, I'll admit, don't know a lot about their work. I'm not trying to disrespect or downplay their importance, but thinking about what Shimura had been in up, up to this point, like, and I would, I would be interested to know if Honda went up to Shimura and said, yo, if you don't believe in this, don't even fucking show up. I, 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 I love that idea so much. Um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons like if you don't if you if you don't believe in this this isn't going to work so he only wanted to work with uh who was who he wanted to work with those who were completely uh how do i want to say this like for the cause did i lose you jesse no no i'm sorry i was just kind of like <laughs> Uh, focused in on um, listening and i i, I look sometimes you get a little too focused um and and yeah and i think i think that sort of um that sort of defiance is present in every frame of, yeah. of the film so we talked well we didn't you brought up earlier that this was uh released the same year as seven samurai yes and i didn't really make the connection that seven samurai was also a uh 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 toho uh movie yeah and that they also re- released samurai uh one uh that same year mm-hmm. or is it samurai i don't know how you how they Sam, uh is that the is that the musashi miyamoto one yes 
Yeah, it's, it's just Samurai One. Um, and people thought talked about how these movies being such big budgets uh, cause Toho to be in the risk of bankruptcy, but mm-hmm. they released sixty eight movies that year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like what? <laughs> like, I mean, I get it. Like, I doubt there was many studios being in competition with them. Sure. It was probably like back in the wild west of Hollywood where one studio one like Warner Brothers released like 40 movies in one year. Right. But uh it's just the idea of one production company being able to release more than three movies in one year is is wild to me now. Yeah. And uh so we should actually probably get to the film at yeah. this point. Um and I'm going to I'm going to start with the opening credit sequence mainly because one thing I, I really like about this one is it puts its menace right up front. Like you have a black screen, no frills, titles, and credits going, g- being flashed intermittently on the screen. And then you just hear the foreboding growl of Godzilla, like almost rhythmically. It's not quite rhythmically. I think they, I think they mess up the time or they mess with the time. Yeah. Through about the first, I mean, this is the first, what, three minutes that you see on screen. And immediately, I, and this is getting back to where I kind of saw its legacy. Like, that's kind of Jaws. Yeah, yeah. Like, totally. without, without John Williams' score. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a score, there's a score there that's, uh, it, it, it's tense, it foreboding, it does its job. But with those intermittent growls just, just hitting when they do, even though you've not seen a single, you know, acted frame yet, you already know that you are in for something special. And I, I like, like I was immediately just, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I asked Jesse to watch this already. <laughs> um, there, there's something to say that um, Jaws just wouldn't exist without this movie. I, like, I don't think that is, uh, an out there statement. I truly think if Jaws didn't exist, we wouldn't have. I mean, if, if Godzilla didn't exist, we wouldn't have Jaws, and I, and I kind of don't think we would have Star Wars, at least not in the way that we have it now. Because um, I think the, those two directors themselves were super inspired by how Godzilla looks, how Godzilla feels, mm-hmm. and and you can if you watch King Kong, like you could kind of get this similar feeling from King Kong. But there's there's just there's a, a sense of this being. We, I mean, we talked about it. It's it's based off what happened to Japan, yeah. right? King Kong's not like <laughs> King Kong wasn't made after 9/11. It was based about the Twin Tower. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't mm-hmm. there wasn't that feeling for it. Um, so I I truly think that without um, Godzilla, there just would be a huge missing chunk from every uh, filmmaker's lexicon of things to pull from sure well i think the star i think this the early the um the early trilogy of star wars yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, not gonna, I'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna turn this into which trilogy is better because forget that argument but i think the 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 way that practical effects come across in that is definitely it definitely follows a lineage that includes godzilla it includes the stop motion animation style of ray harryhausen um, and it definitely includes, I think it's Willis O'Brien who did the original King Kong in 1933. And the reason, like with, Her- with uh, Harryhausen, O'Brien, and specifically, I forget who, I, I forget who sort of embodied Godzilla here. Um, there's a humanity in the creatures. Mm-hmm. And I know that there, there's, that, that makes them feel alive um like like in king kong when the giant ape reacts to things with different expressions of pain and almost wonderment you're just like oh wait a minute that is a creature who is that is thinking yeah that is reacting to the world around same with the stop motion um of of a harryhausen creature from either jason the argonauts uh clash the titans any of those and I think that a lot, of, even the more schlocky Godzilla installments that would come later than this one, most of which are directed by Ishiro Honda, uh, especially the ones that I've seen, that 
that um, living being comes comes across in yeah. a way. And I, I think in Godzilla, like I don't want to just I don't want to fast forward to the conclusion. Like you don't really get that until the end. And I think that end is kind of part of the payoff here. Uh, but we could talk about that in a little bit. Um, I, I want to talk about the character um, archetypes in this too. I want to talk about the hero villain type archetypes because Godzilla, um, I think, is used really uh, wisely, and he is not the villain of the story. Or uh, I can't remember is is this Godzilla? This Godzilla is male, right? It, it's the it's the um, first American one that's uh, the the uh, the lady Godzilla. Well, I think in Japan they don't really gender them. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that I think that's just that's just like the, that's like a Japanese language thing. Okay. Um, I, just want to make, I, I was like I was like I, that's a weird thing for me to say. I don't want to I'm I, I'm, I'll just mention Castle Bravo again. I'm pretty sure they both go over that to some detail i don't or i but i'm pretty sure that japanese doesn't like the the gendering godzilla is a western thing okay that's fair um, um but it's but that's the idea of godzilla is just a force in the background it, yeah. he, uh, it's not a main player except for just being uh, a, a wandering threat of course like it's like jaws right jaws like the shark is technically the villain but the real villain is politics <laughs> yeah no 100 percent i mean because so, like yeah, yeah like, it, that's that's a beautiful statement um but i also think that they kind of the the script kind of just leans into uh its own politics early on yeah um because they they basically say like well this is a a result of h-bomb testing <laughs> like and we don't know if the h-bomb testing created godzilla or if it just stirred him from his sleep yeah but like essentially godzilla is a consequence of politics um and then of course you have that what's it called uh that tribunal type thing that's going on where there it almost looks like a, a, a another version of the mccarthy hearings yeah where they're saying oh, you know we don't want to damage our delicate relations by by blaming america right off the bat um so yeah this is definitely they 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 are not pulling punches about how political this this can be or is but I, yeah just talking about the characters though of the 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 daughter the scientist the the fiance and the other scientists like um i'm, I'm bad with character names i won't be able to tell you directly uh so i, I remember what is it is it shirazawa is the guy with the eye patch yes shirazawa is the yeah. other scientist the, the one <laughs> and then <laughs> And then uh, Shim- Takashi Shimura is uh, Yamane. Yeah, he's the the main scientist. And then I think Emiko is his daughter. And then Ogata is her daughter's or is Yamane's daughter's consort. Yeah, it's it, it's um, it's it's just I love these characters so much. They're very <laughs> like, good. They're like, just really well acted and really well flushed out. I feel like in the movie, and I I, I wanted to stay with them longer. Hmm. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know how much you uh, you connected with them. Uh, early on, I didn't con- I didn't start connecting with them till middle of like the second third, middle of the second act. Yeah, that's fair. Because it seems it seems like we're we're kind of just given a lot of fractured storylines at the beginning. Like with the you you it just opens on you know, a, a, a nameless group of sailors that will eventually be taken down by Godzilla. Um, and then we see quiet trails of, dis- quiet trails of destruction <laughs> and then uh, intermittent dialogue of Emiko and Ogata. And then when Yamane comes on the scene, things get off to a slow it's almost like a slow train getting going. Yeah. Um, but 
but yeah, it's I I found I found myself by the end of it really really caring about how everybody how everybody ended up and um yeah i just i I love this movie a lot this movie's so good and it's truly just a classic in every way that you can imagine and it doesn't it it's it's always weird to say about movies especially movies are in black and white but Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't feel dated because it kept such a small sensibility to itself that it could stay relevant and even the miniature stuff still looks so good. Like there's the the scene where Godzilla is um uh they're they're like they're doing like a scouting and or or like they're like moving around and it's in the hill area. It's during the day, it's bright, it's bright out. Mm-hmm. Um, and Godzilla just appears. Yeah, he just is this the one where they they're like they're walking up the mountain. Yeah, and, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you see you see this monster face just come over. It's like, oh but I it looks pop- it looks terrifying. Yeah, I paused that. I'm like, okay, taking a moment to just stare at this, you can see all of the, you can see the tricks at work. But when it's in motion, you are 100% correct. It looks terrifying. That yeah. monster looks like it's there. And I feel like that is that type of thing is something CG still hasn't come close to. Yeah. And um, it, the scene where Godzilla is tearing down the power plants, like all, like that's the flipping over that bridge. Yeah, it looks great. The the ending stuff in the water, um, where they, I, I like, I, I I'm pretty sure they just layered film over each other. Is what I'm guessing how they did it. But oh yeah, that's I think that's yeah, I think that's how they did that too. But uh, it's just, it just looked good. It looked good. Hmm. Yeah. It, like. I would, I would, I mean, I've never been to film school, but I will say this, this film should probably be dissected in film school. Yeah, probably. And just say like, hey, you know, this is real cool. You should look at this. Sure, there are some of you <laughs> arty farty types in the student film that aren't interested in monster movies, but seriously, take a look at this. Uh, you'll be able to pull something out of it from just about every angle. Uh but uh, getting to the conclusion, I think that I kind of feel like Ishiro Honda probably saw. Actually, wait a minute. Hang on one second. I want to look this up before I say this because I want to make I want to make sure time matches up. Okay, so I think I think Ishiro Honda might have actually seen uh, Chaplin's The Great Dictator. Um, because the end of that movie, uh, is I, that's all I could think of when, uh, Takashi Shimura starts, starts, you know, saying at the end, if nuclear testing continues, another Godzilla will be made possibly somewhere else. Don't, don't, uh, don't take my uh, film, uh, nerd card away from me. Uh, I have only seen one Charlie Chaplin film. Okay. I just I just want to state that for the record. I well I I am not here I am not here to take any film nerd cards away because if you want to talk about taking film nerd cards away, mine should probably be taken for all of the nerdy stuff that I've not. Seen. I, I mean yeah, to be fair, before we got started, I said George Miller. You you're like who? <laughs> but yeah, then you I did not know George Miller's name, even though I've yeah. seen I don't know how many of his movies. Yeah, it's um, very, that was very funny to me. But uh, so, so yeah, like <laughs> if you're giving up yours, I'm giving up mine. That's fair. Okay. We can move on. <laughs> um, well, no. Okay. So, so I'll at least I can run through the plot of the great dictator. The great dictator is a world war two movie where uh, it's definitely cribbing from the Nazi stuff that was happening in the thirties and forties. But what happens is uh, Chaplin's character and the dictator look exactly alike, so they get swapped oh. because the di- the dictator knows he's losing the war, and then the end of it is is Chaplin stepping up and giving this impassioned, you know, I don't want to rule the world type of speech, and maybe war is actually really fucking bad. <laughs> it's 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 a really good film, and. Uh, I I implore you to watch it. 
maybe I'll make you watch it for this. Who, who knows? Um, but it's one of the it's one of the uh, Chaplin films that came out uh, in the sound era. So he's speaking in it, and it's also some of the better visual comedy that he did um, since uh, City Lights. Like I think I think it's probably better than Modern Times. Um, yeah, probably not, probably not. It probably will never hit as hard as City Lights does. But that's a that's another that's a completely subjective discussion. Um, but yeah, Ta- uh, Takashi Shimura's you know, may, if the nuclear testing continues, definitely hits the same way that Soliloquy at the end of Great Dictator does. Um, and it would not shock me if Ishiro Honda saw that and said. I'm going to do that for nuclear war. <laughs> and, uh, and this is a really great anti, anti that movie. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It's, it's a very good, like anti global warming movie in a way. Interesting. To, like, I mean, again, we're taking a movie made in the, the, the fifties and putting it into modern sensibilities, but so they're like scientists saying, Hey, can we not do this? And they're like, no, we're going to do it. But like, mm-hmm. and, and the scientists going, but if you do it, because it's gonna get worse. Like, yeah, but you're a scientist. We're we're the government. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, and the whole the, Shirazawa's entire plot line is like, I wish I'd never thought about this the way I do because now, if this ever gets out there, every politician in existence is going to come after it and use it as a weapon, and then we have to come up with the next great weapon. Um, to counteract this so he decides that he's going to kill himself and Godzilla and destroy all of his notes I I, I think um, the first time we see the the hydrogen it, 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 not hydrogen bomb it's an ox, is it oxygen bomb it's a, it's an oxygen destroyer and then he says yeah it splits oxygen atoms and turns them into liquid yeah, so it's basically a parody of the, of the hydrogen Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure that I'm not sure how the science checks out, but you just see it vaporize a whole bunch if, of fish in an aquarium. If the flash can be, if if the flash can get powers from hard water, this can exist. Um, oh wait, that's where the flash's powers. That's come where from? the that's supposedly where the uh, the original flash's powers come from. Is a hard water experiment gone awry? Um, so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Barry Allen just not Barry, not Barry Allen, not Barry Allen, not Barry Allen, Jay Garrett. Okay, so Jay Garrett just needed a water softener, and he'd be just a normal dude. Oh, that's hilarious. Let me see. Let me see if I can find the original. I, this is totally like <laughs> off left field, but um, oh no, I want to go down this rabbit hole as far as we can because that <laughs> that, that yeah. Okay, so me... let me read you this panel. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, it says Jay, you've studied the gases emitting from this hard water for three years. This new X permit, I know what that means, Professor. I'll, I'll, uh, what was it? Separate the elements. And he goes, along into the night, the experiment goes on. 33, I need a smoke. Or 3.30, I need a smoke. So, okay. So not only is this a hard water experiment that has gases, but Jay Garrick is like, man, it's 3.30 in the morning. I'm going to smoke near these gases. <laughs> because this is, awesome. the time, this is the time that this came out in. And uh, awesome. he, he goes, boy, that feels good. Football training or no training? Oops! And he, he knocks over the hard water and the gases, <laughs> and that's how he gets his powers. Jay Garrett, you're breaking my balls. Uh, gonna, um, I'll send you that panel. It's so please good. do, please do. That'll make me so happy. Uh, well, and and like getting back to like doing odd experiments. I know um, the uh, when they're walking through and Geiger countering everything. Um. I think that I think that that's kind of interesting for the time because uh, uh, in extra school we sort of looked at a lot of that, uh, and I think it's I think it's telling how much was known about radiation safety then versus now, uh, considering you have one guy walking around in a glorified raincoat with you know, dishwashing gloves. Yeah. And everyone else is just hanging out <laughs> because he's the one physically touching the stuff. And I'm like, oh man, as, as, a, as an x-ray tech, I found myself cringing a bit like, oh, 
why doesn't anyone wear lead? But, but, <laughs> and but, I'm like, oh wait, oh wait a minute, we didn't we didn't start learning about all that stuff until years after the atomic yeah. bomb. And I'm not talking like 10 years, I'm talking 20, 30. But uh so. yeah, I was just talking about the 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 fear of um the fear of his his uh Ox, uh, his oxygen destroyer and seeing it work the first time is scary it's scary to see those fish just <laughs> disappear um and the scream from uh amiko uh, like seeing that happen it's just all of that worked so well it was sold it was sold without the cheese you know what i mean yeah yeah you did not need to, you did not need to put condiments on that burger at all yeah i i i was uh i was very i was very happy with it mm-hmm. um i'm not sure what else i have to say about it though because it's, it's uh, this movie all all this movie is is this is a big big buffet of uh of quality classic monster movie like like frankenstein level like uh like universal monster frankenstein level oh, quality sure. but with a writing attached to it that is still fantastic in a modern sense you know what i mean yes like yes. I, I like frankenstein a lot because i think uh the actings and the and the pacing of Frankenstein sells it, but if you go to a lot of those other monster movies, like there's a lot of poor writing or poor pacing in those movies, and I think Godzilla like highlights every good thing a classic monster movie can be, and it's, and it's a kaiju movie, um, but not just well, that it, it's a good it's a good just like drama. Yeah, well, I think like getting getting back to the the Universal, like I think there's a point in those films where everybody behind the scenes knows what they're selling yeah like they're selling i mean essentially they're selling an action figure rather than a a a quality cinema experience yeah um and i think uh frankenstein and specifically the bride of frankenstein like break that yeah where where they give you you know they give you decent plot decent acting they give you a good movie on top of that um and godzilla uh, everybody on the back end of it said, this is what we want to do. And if you are not, if you are not in this fight with us, you can go. Yeah. I think it all stems back to that. And if, if, if Honda wasn't so steadfast and is like, I believe in this, if you're not with me, you are against me and I don't want you here. Uh, and all of that comes across, and we don't get this. T- we don't get this type of enjoyment out of a film if everybody behind it isn't right there with them. And uh, I think we could probably, I think we could probably move on at that at this point. Otherwise, we'll just we we'll just kind of dance back. around in circles. Yeah, you know? we're just gonna keep looping back around and be like, "Yo, you seen Godzilla? <laughs> it's real good. You, you you like that Godzilla movie? <laughs> Y'all know about Godzilla?" um so uh yeah final thoughts godzilla good movie you should watch it it's guys uh and gals and everybody in between that are listening to this show it's only an hour and 36 minutes yes that is a tight movie it is it is there is zero wasted space in this film the other movie that that came out next to this was seven samurai and that movie's three hours three hours three Uh, and a half hours no it's four hours dude I mean, three hours and twenty-seven minutes. Are you serious? It's only three twenty-seven. It's still it's still long though. I remember it being four. I have it clocked in here on IMDb as three hours and twenty-seven minutes. Wait a minute. Why do I remember that? I'm, I remember that being long. Okay. Anyway, well, the, let's. We don't need to split that hair. Um, Godzilla, good. Psycho's a longer movie than this. Come on. Oh shit! Yes, Psycho's a longer movie than this. Holy so, hell! So, so watch Godzilla. It's on HBO Max. It's on Criterion. It's on Shout Factory. It's it's it, you. It's probably free to watch on YouTube somewhere. Uh, check it out. Yes, it's um, worth your time. Matthew, what have you been watching? Who what? Who boy? Um, Reba and I finished our flag means death last night. Nice. And um, yeah, Jesse, you were right when I told when I told you I was so happy. Like I don't want I'm I was so happy with the penultimate episode, and I said we're gonna watch the we're gonna watch the final episode tomorrow. And you just said, "Good luck." <laughs> I just said, yeah, enjoy it. And I'm kind of a wreck now. 
Um, I don't want to spoil Our Flag Means Death since it's still so very new. Um, but uh, but it's it's 10 episodes. Each episode is less than a half hour. Watch Our Flag Means Death. It rules. Um, and then somehow, some way, in, in the time since we recorded our last episode, I've watched eight seasons of Letter Kenny. I, okay, I've never watched that show. I have people recommending me that show. Um, but uh, So I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I like Letter Kenny a whole lot. I think it leaves a very different first impression than uh, it lets on later in the series. Um, like it, oh, it opens with, it opens with a lot of machismo posturing. Yeah. And uh, that machismo posturing is still kind of funny to me, but I can totally see where it's not funny to everyone. Yeah. However, um, all of those characters in that particular scene, as well as all of the side characters are treated with care and love throughout the series. And my favorite thing about it, actually I have two favorite things about it. One is the, uh, posturing on either side never gets to the point of out and out like abuse. Like this is, I mean, so Letter Kenny takes place in a in a rural town in Canada, but this town has five thousand people in it, and uh, all of them are, are are clicky and like there are there's the hicks, there's the hockey players, there's the skids, there's the um, they they refer to them in the is in the show as the natives um, because they are on a reservation. And all of them have very different problems and ideas, but so many of them become friends and uh, find themselves on the same side and different sides throughout the show. I don't think that happens unless there's legitimate love behind the scenes for these characters. Yeah. Um, my other favorite thing about it is the you. I'm not, it's the use of language. I am not uh, a, a capital W writer, uh, but I do appreciate the ideas <laughs> and work at play in terms of just using language as an art form. Yeah. And there are, there are moments in Letter Kenny that just absolutely sing. One of my favorites is uh, there's a character, the main character, Wayne, and his best buddy, Derry, or Daryl. They open up, I don't remember which, it's the first episode of a season, I don't remember which one, but Derry starts, he asks a one-word question that begins with the letter A. Wayne then answers completely in alliteration, like a paragraph worth with the letter B. And then they go back and forth until they hit Z. And the nerd, the, the language nerd that I wish I could be stood up in my brain and just applauded because I thought this was just brilliant. <laughs> and and I, I think that um, there, are, there are gems and nuggets of ideas throughout the show, despite the... Despite the uh, semi-juvenile edge it presents itself with, uh, I think Jared Kiso, the he's the, I believe the creator and main writer. He also plays Wayne. Uh, I think he is very smart, and I would love to see what else he can do that's not Letterkenny adjacent. I would love to see him do something else. I don't know what his plans are uh but if i find out i know that he's doing an i know that there's an animated show on hulu called little kenny which i'll report back because i'm probably going to watch it and this year they are doing a spin-off show called shorzy 
And Shorzy is one of the hockey players that appears, I think, in the you start seeing him in the second season. Uh, and he's a he's a he's a he's a he's a piece of work, but uh, but yeah, uh, Letter Kenny's really good. And I have to so add to my our, backlog of TV. So so is our flag means death. And and like I would say I would say this if you get through, like each season is six episodes. Oh, that's not um, too bad. Yeah, like I think there are a couple that are seven. It's not like it's not. I I I was not burning the midnight oil watching this. I'm having um, a hard time going back to TV shows that are longer than ten episodes. Oh, I agree. I agree completely. Um, like I've I don't know how many times I've looked at the second season of Demon Slayer and been like, I want to, but I, I'm not. I don't have I don't have the attention span. Um. Uh. Oh, and uh, we did start watching tonight the new Adam Conover series on Netflix. The G Word. The G Word. Uh, yeah, the first two episodes of that made us angry in a lot of ways. <laughs> that, was, that was my experience <laughs> watching Adam Ruins Everything most of the time. I mean, I, I but but like, so I I'll say this: the first episode goes into like the USDA. Mm. And you go into a slaughterhouse. Do you see the slaughtering happen? No. But as like, this is where Reba and I are very different. I grew up on a farm and had to raise animals or slaughter. So I react to this a little bit differently than someone who didn't have that background. Um, so that's your content warning for that. Um but it, I think I think Adam Conover has a wonderful way of dissecting things and looking at them from a way that is helpful rather than I'm going to make, you know, silly jokes about this and we're really not going to get anywhere. Uh, I think he does that. Yeah, I think he does that a lot better now than on Adam ruins everything. What have you been watching, Jesse? Well, OK, so I'll talk about TV here real fast. Okay. Watching three TV shows. I try not to watch more than three. Fair. Because if I watch more than that, I'm not going to finish anything. Right. Um, so I'm currently watching Better Call Saul. I'm almost done with season three of that. It, and, I, and I think season three of Better Call Saul is the best season so far of that show. Um, I do think that people are saying that like, uh, it's, it, like it, it's, it's uh, nothing could be as good as Breaking Bad if, with that show. It's like yeah, but also, can anything be as good as Better Call Saul in the genre? Because like Breaking Bad is very much a, uh, it, I mean, it's a character Breaking Bad. That's the premise of that show, right? Mm-hmm. But Better Call Saul starts with a character that's already kind of a bad dude, not like awful, awful, but he's a con artist. Like he starts off as a con artist. He never, he's never not a con artist. Yeah. Um, and so you just watch him kind of like try to go straight, and the world keep on pushing him back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a wholly different experience than what Breaking Bad is. It's still pretty tense at times, but it's not as tense as Breaking Bad gets, uh, at least so far. Um, yeah. So that's good. Other show, Adventure Time, still working my way through that. Uh, it's, it's a really good. How show. long is Adventure Time? Adventure Time's a really long cartoon. It was on for ten seasons. Okay. Um, and some of those seasons are 50, 50 episodes. So. Oh yeah, but it's like it's like the it's, yeah, it's adult 11, swim thing. Yeah, so they're like eleven minute minutes. Episode. Yeah, but but it's still a stall. And like the further on you get into Adventure Time, the heavier it gets. Okay. Uh, and not for kids. Like if kids could probably still watch Adventure Time and not pick up on anything, but as an adult or like a teenager, which I like. I mean, Adventure Time came out when I was a teenager, but as sure. an as an adult now. I'm like, oh, why am I watching this? Because <laughs> it just hurts. It hurts so much. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very fascinating that they got away with some of the storytelling that they do in that show. Um, and then I'm watching original Star Trek, and that's slow, but it's pretty okay. Um, okay. But let's talk All about right. movies, because you know me, I watch a lot of movies. Yes, uh, I watch. I first- need to watch <laughs> more movies, but. Anyways, I watched the first of the three colors trilogy after we talked about it last time. Oh god, now I'm <laughs> jealous. Motherfucker. <laughs> that movie made the movie so sad. It's so it's so good though. Uh, isn't it's it? very good. It's very good. Oh. Uh, I've seen the new Doctor Strange. Uh, Sam Raimi is very good as a director, but that as far as I will talk about that movie. Um, I saw Annihilation uh, again. 
uh, oh, very God, good. I need to watch that. That's very, Alex Garland, right? Yeah, Alex Garland. I was getting yeah. ready to watch Men, even though I don't know if I'm going to see it this weekend. I'm like thinking about it. Um, yeah, yeah I, need should, to, I, need, I, should, I haven't seen that or uh, X Machina. Every time I see someone talk about that, I'm like, man, I got to watch that. How, how is Reva with gore? Uh, not great. Okay, X Machina shouldn't be super gory, but uh, but Annihilation has some nasty gore. Yeah, I mean, that depends. Um, I when I told her about Come and See, she's like, I could probably watch that. Ah, so heavy movie. So so Um, we'll see. (laughs) uh, Reality bites. I watched that movie in nineteen. Now, how old were you in nineteen ninety four? Be honest with me. I was fifteen. I turned fifteen in November nineteen ninety four. I was born in 1994. <laughs> okay. Um, so Reality Bites, though, right, is a movie that's about the about uh, 80s kids gr- graduating in the 90s, right? Yeah. Uh, um, and I, it still hits so hard. <laughs> like, it hits so hard still. it's. I was surprised at how much I'm like, yeah, I'm still going. I'm dealing with it still. Yeah. That. I've I've actually that's that's one I've never seen and I think do you have any do you have any people in your life that when they tell you they love something you're like oh I immediately know I'm not gonna like it uh yes yes yes, yes. so because I think like I think like that's I am I am that person for a lot of people when I talk about music I think so too um, I think I'm, not you you being that person I mean I think I'm that person too oh okay for a lot of, some people <laughs> I was like. Thanks, Jesse. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just my, I'm just Harikiri myself here. Um, no, uh, but the people that have told me to watch Reality Bites have all been like, folks, I don't really, I, I've never really vibed I, with. I'm telling you, watch Reality Bites, but know going into it that Ethan Hawke and um, Ben Stiller are both the worst people in this movie. Um, well, I mean, they're '80s kids graduating in fair. the '90s. That, I, that I, I automatically think that. The biggest takeaway is why does Steve Zahn not blow up? That's my biggest. You know, takeaway. you know, the more I think about it, and I know, like in uh, in our what our 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 first proper episode for that thing you do. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I may have thrown out some Steve Zahn slander and. Ever since that episode, I've been reminded. You know, Steve Zahn's actually pretty good. He's really great. He's, <laughs> he's actually his really timing good. is impeccable and everything he's in. Yeah, I need to watch uh, White Lotus because he's in that. Um, and then you know me. Uh, if anybody has listened to our before trilogy episodes, I am the biggest mark for two people, right? Especially right now in like my late twenties creeping into hitting 30 um and that is richard linklater and ethan hawk those two yeah. uh, gentlemen are something that i am like mildly obsessed with in the, and for some reason at this current moment so after reality bites with ethan hawk i watched bernie because that's in the richard linklater collection on um criterion and holy crap is this a great movie wait what is it so it's it's a true crime film directed by richard linklater takes place in texas Starring Matthew McConaughey, Jack Black, and Shirley MacLaine, and it's what? about a mortician uh, uh, who befriends uh, an old, old widow, and then eventually kills her. <laughs> and it's it's like it's a weird thing where like those three are actors, like they're actor actors. Everybody else in this movie are people from the town where it happened. So it like like I didn't realize oh, it until halfway through this movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize like halfway through. I'm like, wait, these are the actual people. <laughs> That's why they're so kind of odd. Oh yeah, yeah I've not I've not seen that, but I, I recommend I recommend it. Oh no, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, and it's pretty short. Um, and then I watched Tape, which is another Ethan Hawke Richard Linklater joint, um, which is all filmed on I want to say iPhones. I think you're right. It's is like it, it's well, either iPhones. It's or not. Like, it's or, not iPhone, but it's like early, like early. I think TV. no. I think it's. I think it's like digital cameras. That, that might be. It might be like, like DVDs or something like that. Or 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 like the um. Oh, we'd have to look because it's 2001, so it predates yeah, the but iPhone. But it's like it's like years. it's like something like like it's only on it's only on tape <laughs> in some yeah. way. But um, but it's a stage play that they made into a movie, and it's a once it's a it's a bottle movie. Like the no, they never leave. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's it's really well act, done acting and it's it's in that 
it's in that era of late 90s early 2000s where the dialogue at times can feel a little no one talks like this but also i wasn't an adult then so how do i know yeah um but yeah i think it's i think that's pretty good um i'm almost done i promise i have like uh three more well i want to i'm looking at this richard linklater collection have you seen me and orson wells no i was gonna watch it though that's the only one in the well the only like apart from what i haven't seen it's the only one i don't like Uh, okay i'm curious uh, yeah that's because that's an odd one that feels like like the oddest one out of his filmography yeah if i'm being honest so i'm curious about it um i i watched atonement which uh i thought going into it's like oh okay this is Kieran knightley james mcavoy it's by the director of uh i think it was uh pride of prejudice or sense of sensibility it's one of those two um and i'm like oh oh this is just gonna be a lovely time it's gonna be a love no this movie is so sad (laughs) the saddest movie i i mean I've never seen Benedict Cumberbatch be the grossest human uh, I've ever seen until this movie. <laughs> Fair. He's so, but, he's so gross in this. But I, I'm just going to say this, Jesse. Yeah. It, it's it's called Atonement. I didn't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I watched a movie. Uh, so our mutual friend, Carolyn, who you do Trivial Merit with, please follow yes. Uh, that show at Trivial Mary and listen to it. There's your plug for that show. We don't have to do it at the end now. Good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that means uh, I Car- won't forget it. <laughs> Caroline had put me onto a podcast called uh, You Must Remember This, which is uh, stories about the first hundred years of Hollywood. And it's like, it's super fascinating. I love like, just learning like facts and like history about things that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Hollywood's one of those things. Movies are one of those things. And they had an episode about Bruce Lee. And it led into uh, Brandon Lee and what happened with both of them and their tragedies, right? And yeah. I'm like, I've never seen The Crow and I've always assumed The Crow was just a bad like cult following movie. But then at the end of the, at the, end of the podcast, like, no, The Crow made a ton of money. <laughs> and oh, it yeah, was like it was critically huge. well received. And like, it was like, it was like Miramax's like first big hit before uh, Pulp Fiction and mm-hmm. uh, I think The Matrix after that. Um, so I was like, well, I wonder if the crow is streaming. That's what the crow was streaming. So I watched the crow and the crow is good. (laughs) The crow is a really good time. Uh, yeah, I, I remember, I, I remember the people around me telling me to see the crow and it was another reality bite situation. I'm like, that's fair. It's a very nice. You and I don't agree on anything. So why am I going to listen to this? You? Is also this is another movie that came out the year I was born. Uh, I it, it's definitely a movie of its time, but I think Brandon Lee gives a really cool and like not edgy, but like just a really it's um it's like the it's like uh why people like Face Off, right? It's over the top in the best ways. Okay. Like the villain in The Crow is a weird. Like all the villains in this movie are just bonkers. But Brandon Lee plays such a cool character, and mm-hmm. it ha- and it also has um who's uh who's the cop in it um blah, 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 blah. he's from Ghostbusters what's his name Ernie Hudson Ernie Hudson's the cop and he's so good in it um yeah I, I recommend you at least like it's short I would I would I would maybe give it a go for, okay for like if you want a retro night and lastly to go back to Richard Linklater I finally saw the second in the trilogy of what I call the hangout and just feel just just feel around for a plot maybe movies mm-hmm. that he did and that is Days Dig Confused. Okay. And I have I have thoughts of Days Dig Confused. I think Days Dig Confused is pretty good. Yes. But I think Everybody Wants Some, which is the movie he made uh, like 2014, 2015 around there, which mm-hmm. is the same plot or the same no plot, but takes place in college and it's like the first year, first day of the semester is a better version of this and i've started slacker and i'm like okay so he just kind of perfected it with every iteration yeah um i think slacker i i've not seen uh everybody wants some but i think slacker is the gold standard for that yeah um well it's the gold standard of that from from link later because i think days and confused the first right yeah, uh, dazed and confused. Like, I think it's. I think it is basically slacker with a cast. Yeah. Um, and I found myself not really 
I've, I've seen it like twice I, and I, both I, times I've come away from it going, hmm. And I feel like everybody wants some is dazed and confused with a cast that has been in things before. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like um, if you look, if you, a lot of the guys in it, you're like, Oh, I've seen this person in like sitcoms and stuff, but like uh, Wyatt Russell's in it. Tyler. Holtz yeah. I'm, in I'm, it. Look, I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm like, I know yeah. all these people from yeah. as little things and something else. But they, they like, they have been in movies that like, you know, <laughs> So, mm-hmm. or TV shows that you know, and I and, and Days and Fuse had a lot of fresh faces. I mean, it was like one of the first uh, Ben Affleck and Matthew McConaughey movies, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think uh, everybody wants some is the perfection of that film, and I kind of hope he does another one before he like retires if he does. But yeah, it's a good time. That is all I watched. I watched a lot, <laughs> and that's just how it goes, I guess. Um, before we get to what we're doing next, yes. I'm looking at the Criterion channel. Yes. And there's something you and I have talked about doing in the past. Yes. And since this is correct, this is in your, since you are a mark for this, at some point before it goes off of the channel, we need to watch the Newton boys for an episode. Yeah, I'm down. I was going to watch it anyway. So yeah, cool. We do for it. All right. But what what are we doing next, Jesse? Next, we're having a guest on again. Uh, I I put out a feeler for guests and I got a couple bites. And so we're going to have a couple guests for the next couple episodes. A couple. How many times can I say a couple? Next, in two weeks, weeks, we're going to have our friend Maddie Lewis on again. And we're talking about the devils. Um, Yes. Yeah, it's we've we've been wanting to talk about this a movie with Maddie because it's one of Maddie's favorite movies. But I think when last time we had her on, it had t- been taken off of streaming again, and now it's back okay. on uh, Shutter. So, it, by the way, if you need my Shutter login, let me know. Um, but yeah, yeah, just DM him on Twitter, everyone. Yeah, everybody just DM him on my <laughs> Shutter login. Uh, free, 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 free for everybody. Um, Directors Ken Russell came out in 1971. I think this is the first X-rated movie we're going to be talking about. Good. Yeah, I'm, I mean, there's a the, I, again in that podcast, that lovely podcast I mentioned earlier. You must remember this. There is a, an idea back in the the 80s and the 90s that they really were trying hard to redeem the X rating to make it just like no, this is just a movie for adults. It's not just porn. Yeah, <laughs> and that didn't work. No, nope, uh, didn't work. But yeah, so yeah, we're gonna watch The Devils with Maddie next in two weeks, and then uh, Matthew, where can people find you on the internet? I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm doing it because I'm talking. You can find me at infinite underscore rewind everyone want to be. That's you. That's Twitter. That's Instagram. Uh, you can find me at, I think, infinite underscore rewind and some numbers are in the uppercut in the uppercut discord. It's one of my favorite places to be. Uh, so that's where you can find me. You can yell at me in any one of those places or just DM me. I'll take whatever criticism you feel like throwing at me. I also co-host a couple other podcasts, the aforementioned Trivial Merit with Jesse's and my friend Caroline. Listen to us make you feel better through eight song playlists. Uh, we recently recorded Aretha Franklin. We are about to do the wonderful Bill Withers. So check us out there. Uh, you can also find me talking about video games at uh, or on Story Route Zero with three of my friends. We just talk about what we're playing, maybe some news. Uh, that's Story Route Zero on Twitter and every pod service. And then uh, the most recent episode of the Hitman playthrough podcast that I've been asked to be a part of called the Bald Gun Guy podcast is, is up. We just did Mumbai in Hitman 2, and that's a really fun conversation. Uh, and I'm really glad folks let me talk about that game because that series rules. Jesse. Yes. Where can we find you? You can find me everywhere at Sleeper of the Bed. Currently, my comic podcast, White Comics, is on hiatus for at least the summer, but we will see. I have some ideas for what I want to do next with it. Um, and that's about it. I have, Maybe in the future, you might hear some other stuff. I have some ideas. Um, you can find this show on Twitter at Freebrilling It. You can email us any thoughts about movies that we've watched. We would love to hear about them. We will read some of them if you want us to read them. Literally, if you listen to any of these episodes and you want to talk about any of these movies, feel free to message us. Um, and if you have any suggestions, feel free to message us. If you feel um, like being a guest, let us know. Yeah, let us know. We want guests. Yeah. Um, just not, hopefully, another third. Uh, it was just, uh, 
not another, not another one of us. <laughs> yeah, not no, not another, not another cis white dude. Yeah, just um, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah. You so email us at freewheeling at gmail.com and Matthew, who did our lovely theme song. My friend Jason did our lovely theme song, and shout outs to him. He recently graduated college as a nurse. He is now a nurse. So congratulations, buddy. I'm so proud of you. Um, you can find him on Spotify at uh, as uh, Deadeye, D-E-A-D-I. His album is called Bloodshed Kingdom. He was also part of a duo called the Hope Street Steppers. And in 2013, they released one of my favorite reggae albums of all time called Black Lightning. Bloodshed Kingdom, Black Lightning on Spotify. I believe they're on Bandcamp and SoundCloud and any other place you might want to stream music. Uh, both albums are wonderful uh, if you are an instru- instrumental reggae fan like I am. Thank you, Jason, for the theme. And congratulations on being a nurse, buddy. He and I work together at Jefferson now. It's great. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, remember, everybody, if you want superpowers, uh, just hang out next to some hard water, some gamma radiation, and uh, some oxygen exploding devices. That I think I- that... Yeah. I am going to just say one other thing because it's kind of political season around here. Fuck Dr. Oz. Oh, yeah, that, totally. He's a total, total hacking fraud. Fuck uh, that guy. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Good night. <laughs>